Hello, everyone. This is Rick with the CyberPro Podcast. Industry leaders share their insights. It's five questions in nine minutes. I'm excited for today's guest. Had a lot of really cool interactions with him at Black Hat together, releasing products together. It was really fun. Rick, tell me, question number one, who are you and what do you do? So I'm Rick Gordon. I'm a founder and CEO of Title Cyber. What does that mean? <laughs> yeah, so it's funny. I, I um, it, what it means is that I, you know, was able to talk to really incredible co-founders to join me to to start this company. Uh, you know, back in uh, December of last year, we we were all working together at Mitre. Um, you know, around the area of threat informed defense, principally that was you know taking uh, the Mitre attack knowledge base um, and and essentially creating adjacent capabilities to it to make. Uh, you know, the use of the knowledge of adversary behavior is easier, uh, mostly in the case of, of you know, the previous um, role for larger companies. But we saw a real opportunity to make this easy enough so that, you know, really uh, companies of any size or at least companies that, that have a security operation have the ability to sort of, you know, uh, leverage that knowledge of uh, the TTPs that adversaries are actually going to use against you. Uh, to their benefit. Uh, so we started doing that uh, and, you know, raised a little bit of money uh, uh, early in, or I guess late in Q1, uh, then uh, just say viciously started building uh, a product that we ended up releasing GA as a community edition at, at uh, Black Hat this year, continue to, you know, move forward and, and uh, to get our enterprise product out there, um, you know, by the, by the end of the year. But we've really demonstrated enough uh, I'll just say demand and, and capability and, and what we've done so far to, you know, thankfully close a, a much larger round. About awesome. Congratulations on that. That's super exciting. Let's take this to question number two. Why do you love being a cyber professional? Hmm. So, uh, you know, cyber is a mission that matters. Uh, you know, I, I think, um, you know, I actually early in my career uh, started out in in as uh, you know in the military in the Navy as a submarine officer. Um, you know, left that a short stint on Wall Street, and uh, you know just felt uh, maybe a calling more toward toward mission. Uh, left that job and actually started a company that was in the, the cybersecurity arena back in 1999. At the time, we didn't call it cyber; it was information <laughs> security. Um, we were doing a, an email. Security Gateway, um, you know, super early on, really focused on, you know, securing um, the, the communications of, of email. Um, and, you know, I've felt more at home. Uh, if you look across my career, really, ever since then, I've, I've been involved in, in, you know, mostly early stage enterprises, but enterprises of, of one form or another, all that were, were mission oriented, whether that was national security, homeland security, cyber security. Uh, related or, you know, for a brief, brief stint in, in um, our health technology. But all of those are, are sort of missions that are just sort of bigger uh, and more meaningful than just simply turning a, a nice profit. Now, I, I care a lot about that. You know, I, I do this to, you know, to make money. Um, but, you know, I, I am so I've always a, a, uh, subscribed to the notion that it's, it is um, uh, better to do well by doing good than just to do well. I like it. I like the the mission side of the house. And thank you for your service. I know I appreciate that as well. I want to take that mission mentality to the next question. And it, and it makes me laugh that you talk about, you know, cyber is the buzzword because this, this question is the buzzword of the day. What does cybersecurity as a top concern mean to you? 
you know, a, a, um, a lot. Um, and that, you know, that has changed, you know, quite a bit over the years. I, you know, I think back to my 1999 experience. Um, it wasn't. I mean, it really was, uh, you know, a, a really sort of small part. And we knew the problem. We could envision the man in the middle. We, we you know, we knew that the attacks that we were conceiving of were happening, uh, although at the time, difficult to prove, at least difficult to prove it legally. Um, and, and yet we continued to, you know, bang the drum and, and uh, you know, deliver uh, more secure, more security capabilities to the market uh, that we knew that they needed. The um, but I would say even with that experience, it was hard. And that that uh, the environment was tough. Um, you know, as an entrepreneur in the space, uh, 2008 rolled around. If you recall, at that point in time, the CNCI uh, really sort of became a thing. And, and if I were to sort of you know, uh, you point to a, a major catalyst in the industry, that was it. That was sort of the the big recognition, uh, not just within the security industry, where those of us who were sort of in it knew the problems were there. It was everyone else started to wake up um, where the, the government, you know, finally started uh, leveraging the intelligence infrastructure that we had to, to show everyone else. Yeah, that stuff we've been talking about for the last 15 years, that really is happening. Um, and, uh, you know, that uh, that really did make all the difference. I think one of my favorite I used to give this speech around, you know, 2013, 2015, you know, cybersecurity doesn't suck anymore. And here's why. But it was really just remarkable to watch the industry uh, change uh, dramatically where, you know, there's uh, certainly more spending. There was a recognition, you know, and it's just like all of us knew around the 2010 time frame when we were starting to instrument uh, networks better that the evidence was going to be in there. Now um, it is. It is there. Um, you know, I think. Uh, you know, one is uh, getting better sensors and then knowing that the, the adversary is getting in our networks is certainly a big catalyst. Ransomware has been you know, probably the most recent and most significant catalyst. I mean, it is a cybersecurity is a main street term now because of, you know, principally ransomware. It's impacting everybody. No, no company is too small uh, to be impacted and negatively by it, uh, which, you know, as a, a purveyor of, of cybersecurity products, you know, is a challenge for us because I think our whole industry for the last 20 years is really been building for the same 400 customers, right? And not not getting really good at going down market, uh, you know, bringing that same advanced capability to, um, you know, to enterprises or individuals that deserve uh, more advanced features, but perhaps, um, you know, can't afford to, you know, buy them or certainly can't afford to operate them. You know, all of that is, um, you know, sort of, you know, part of this evolution that we've seen go on in the space. It is, uh, I've, I've never seen it more attractive. It is a great business to be in. It's a, a great business that's mission-oriented or in a mission that matters, uh, you know, to be in. And I think a lot of, I mean, you see our space, right? It's uh, the number of people that sort of migrate out of the national security infrastructure into the cybersecurity industry is significant. And it's not just because it's a good business opportunity. It's because it's a great way to sort of be mission-oriented and, and, uh, and do well uh, by doing good. Awesome. You might have to dust off that that uh, paper that you wrote and bring it into the 21st century. Is that where we're at now? <laughs> so it'd be great. Yeah, it's funny. Well, it's it was uh one of the one of the sort of elements of evidence that I showed in that in that analysis was just simply the you know for you know, the Gartner number of of uh, magic quadrants that they were covering the space. I think even since then it's grown pretty exponentially. I'm sure <laughs> it's it has. Sure I mean, with the addition of NDR and IDS and oh my God, all the things. So wonderful. 
Well, this is your chance on the fourth question. We just really like for you to share your expertise and insights with our community. So what would you like to share? Yeah, it really is around um, threat-informed defense and and how it is, you know, going to be remarkably different. We, you know, we're, um, I'll just say this, we don't lack an ambition. Um, you know, in, in, sometimes we'll, we'll use sort of known, uh, sort of known approaches to security as a foil for, you know, what we're doing and why it's different. And in, in general, uh, you know, one thing that I failed to mention that, you know, back in 2010, I actually was the COO of a threat intelligence platform company, Looking Glass. And even then, you know, uh, MITRE ATT&CK didn't exist then. We we didn't really have this sort of widely accepted, normalized, structured way of sharing adversary behaviors. Really the first step at uh, making um, threat intelligence actionable is is all speaking the same language. We didn't have that lingua franca back then. We have it now. And so that created um, an opportunity for us uh, to really change the way we secure. Today, perhaps, we spend more time focused on vulnerabilities, configurations, a lot, a lot of emphasis placed on attack uh, surface, attack surface management, uh, a lot of, you know, generally chasing vulnerabilities. And you'll forgive the pun, that's really not tenable. It's not a tenable approach. Um, and then, uh, you know, perhaps uh, in uh, governance, risk and compliance, which has really mostly been compliance. That industry has really been oriented around uh, compliance. And, and it, a lot of that is because one risk, risk quantification has is, is always been hard. Right. It's 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 difficult. It's time consuming. You know, a lot of people's heads explode when they hear Monte Carlo simulation. And, you know, that you got to take you know, got to sort of for most of the people don't buy software to do more analysis. They buy software to go home, to get home <laughs> earlier, to do to get more done with less work, you know, to not miss dates or not miss kids soccer games. And um, and so, you know, that uh, that's really what uh, what we are we're focused on but from the perspective of the threat. Um, it is much more um, important in our belief uh, that if you're you know, designing uh, either uh, what's in your security infrastructure or you know, what your architecture is, or um, even in the, day, the day-to-day decision-making around how you're allocating analysts, um, uh, analyst workload, uh, to make all of those decisions with the benefit of the knowledge of adversary behaviors. And it's always been, it has been difficult. Uh, and I learned this, you know, 10 years ago, it was, you know, you've, I'm sure you heard this, you've been in the industry a while too, that uh, nobody likes dealing with threat intelligence because it's not actionable, you know, and it's, and it's really interesting to polish the cannibal around <laughs> APT 29 and get into the nuance of, you know, whatever the behavioral variant that they've, they've just exhibited. But, you know, and I think there's some of us walks like me that enjoy that. Uh, but at the end of the day, most analysts and most CISOs don't care. Right. What they really care about is what to do about it. Uh, and so that's where we're focused is, is trying to bridge that gap. And it sort of, I mentioned this sort of struck what, what MITRE ATT&CK did is in, you know, I think at the time, I'm not sure that Blake Strom knew, you know, what the impact was going to be, but creating this normalized structured lingua franca for defining what adversaries do uh, gave us the ability to then marry up um, defensive capabilities in a way that allowed us to, with confidence, say, yep, this particular capability defends against this particular you know, set of variants of this technique. And that gives us the ability to then tell customers uh, in, a, in a way like in a in a in a way that we couldn't before, 
um, uh, you know, to give them a measurable way or, or a way to measure how they're improving by taking action. So one of one of the beliefs that I have around uh, vulnerability management and why it's so popular is that it's uh, it's concrete, it's definable, it's measurable, it's deterministic. You either did or you didn't patch the thing, and I think that 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 makes people comfortable. You get scored based on the number. You're you're basically burning down the the, the backlog of patching, right? Well, threat's always been hard uh, because you know it's always been ambiguous. You know what? What is the thing that I need to do? What is the new analytic that I need to run? What is the new detection? What is uh, you know what is uh, you know what it, um, what's in my stack? What can I defend against? And where are my gaps? And th that's always been hard. That takes you know on a daily basis. It could take tens of hours for an analyst to try to figure that out on one change in, a, in an adversary behavior. Uh, and we're really focused, you know, where where we are is just, you know, bringing those data sets together um, using, uh, you know, machines uh, to make that really, really simple so that, um, you know, it can be as easy as sort of burning down gaps in your defensive capabilities um, it, it, as it is for, um, you know, the folks that are, um, you know, sort of reducing the number of uh, vulnerabilities that exist in their environment. Thank you so much for that. Great insight. Love the I love the the thought perspective on what that looks like. Rick, final question, fun question. What's your favorite piece of retro technology that makes you smile? So uh, you know, it's 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 gotta be. I mean, it's gotta be. You know, I'm older than I look, right? It's gotta be the Atari Twenty Six Hundred. Nice. Did you have a favorite game? You know, yeah, Jungle Hunt. It was jungle, you know, and I, I broke more joysticks on that machine. Was, we were probably replacing the joystick once a month, right? And it was, you know, I look at my kids and my, and my older son's a gamer. You know, he'll, he's really good. He spends, I wish he spent as much time studying as he did gaming. I was exactly the same way. Nice. Rick, <laughs> thank you so much for being on the Cyber Pro Podcast. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you for watching the CyberPro Podcast. Don't forget to like and subscribe so you don't miss out on new podcasts and bonus content.